Welcome to the LHA Church Podcast. This is Jerry Galloway, and I'm the pastor of LHA Church. Thanks for joining us today. I pray this blesses you, strengthens your faith to know that God is working in your life. Enjoy the message. Luke 23, what we're going to do is uh, going to work our way to that passage here for a few minutes. The cross... The cross is the most important and visible symbol of those who have put their faith and their hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. The cross is not a symbol of antiquity. The cross is not a symbol that has become outdated and outrun its course. Next weekend, we will celebrate Easter. And I tell you that Easter will only come because of the cross. Across the nation today, you see crosses in lots of different places. You see them on jewelry. You see them in cemeteries. You see them the other day we were driving down the interstate and three or four stories high was a cross. I will tell you this. The cross is so important that we can begin to understand why in our nation, and I would tell you that even in in many uh, churches, the cross is coming under attack. But the cross is at the center of the message of Jesus. The cross is central to the gospel. In fact, without the cross, you have no gospel. If you take the cross out of the message, you have no message. Paul said in Galatians 6 and 14, As for me, I will never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 1 and 23, Paul again said, we preach Jesus Christ crucified. You know, many false religions around the world today acknowledge that Jesus existed as a good man, a prophet, a teacher, but not as the Savior. The gospel of Jesus cannot be preached without a cross. As we quickly are approaching Easter weekend, we remember the cross, we remember his resurrection from the dead. But when you consider the picture of the cross on Calvary's hill, that day there was not just one cross, but there were three. There was not just one man put to death at Calvary. Two other men died as well. I don't know if you're like I am, but often I I think about things. Have you ever wondered why there were three crosses on Golgotha's hill that day? I can tell you this, God never does anything without a reason. Nothing. The life, the death, 
The resurrection of Jesus Christ was foretold by the prophets hundreds of years earlier. Hundreds of detailed prophecies were fulfilled alone on the day of the crucifixion. Every detail of the day planned out by God the Father. From Christ being beaten to having his clothes gambled for to being buried in a borrowed tomb, nothing happened that day by man's plan. The people of the day thought they were calling for his crucifixion and they were the ones that were making it happen. But I would tell you every event of the day was in God's plan. It was the fulfillment of God's plan to save the world. Isaiah prophesied about the three crosses almost 800 years earlier. Isaiah 53 and 12, he said, I will give him the honors of a victorious soldier because he exposed himself to death and he was counted among the rebels. He bore the sins of many and interceded for rebels. So why the three crosses? I believe God planned three crosses on that day to give you and I the simplest picture of salvation possible. God was saying you'll either be on the left or you'll be on the right. You can choose life or you can choose death. Now for our text in Luke. 23 we're going to read verses 32 and 33 and then we're going to skip down to verses 39 to 43 the two other men both criminals were also led out with him to be executed when they came to the place called the skull they crucified him there along with the criminals one on his right and the other on his left. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said? Since we are under the very same sentence... We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today, today you will be with me. In paradise. The cross on the left of Jesus was the cross of rebellion. The cross on the right of Jesus was the cross of repentance. And the cross in the middle is the cross of redemption. When we look at the cross of rebellion, we find a man who died on the cross to the left of Jesus, a bitter, an angry, and a hard man. 
movie that came out a few years back. Many of you will remember The Passion of the Christ. The Passion of the Christ painted a very vivid picture of this man's bitterness. Have you ever wondered? Have you ever wondered why this man and other people we come across, why they're so angry? Why they're so bitter? How did this man end up a criminal doing, doing something that the governors and administrators of the day determined he needed to die for his crime? Perhaps as a child he suffered some serious rejection. Maybe he grew up in a dysfunctional environment. We're not told how he ended up a criminal. But something must have happened into his life. Maybe, maybe a series of wrong choices. Maybe hanging out with the wrong people. Something that caused him to get into a life of crime. The, the Bible says he was a thief. We know that he stole. It, it was so severe uh, of a degree that he is at a point of being put to death. The Bible describes him as a vile man, a man filled with hatred and contempt. He looked over at Jesus and began to mock and, and even to challenge him and asking the question, if you are the Son of God, if you really are, I don't believe you are, but if you are, why don't you save yourself and then save us? He spoke words of hatred towards the man on the cross in the middle. He heard Jesus pray, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He had heard that this man, Jesus, was a worker of miracles. He saw Mary at the foot of the cross, the one to whom the supernatural birth of Jesus Christ came about through. Seeing all of these things. He was still bitter. He spat out foul insults. He mocked and scorned that which was sacred. He was cursing the very Son of God. His cross was a cross of rebellion. The thief on the cross was a man who had allowed the things of this life to harden his heart against God. A man so hard in his heart that he was willing to die the way he had lived his life. A man who knew he was dying and dying without hope. And yet, just before his death, he chose his last words to be curse words towards the Son of God. To mock and to speak hate-filled words towards the Christ. Just a few feet away from him was the precious Son of God who came to die for all sin. The thief had the greatest chance of a lifetime in those last few moments of his life. History and the Bible doesn't tell us if the thief and Jesus ever crossed paths before. But I see it as a picture of the grace of God 
You know, we just prayed for this one in the hospital. I believe this, the grace of God shows up even at the last hour. We don't know if their paths ever crossed. But we find there was something in this man that had so hardened and bittered his heart, he refused his last chance. The truth is there are injustices in this life. Bad things happen. And I will tell you this, even bad things happen to good people. Life is not always fair. There are things that sooner or later, if you are not careful, they will cause you to pick up a cross that you don't understand. There are things that can happen that will make you bitter and make you hardened. And when we become bitter and hardened, we do things we never thought we'd ever do. I know there are people listening today in this room and online that you can identify with this man. For you too have had to bear a cross that you didn't want to bear. For some, it was the cross of someone else's choices. For others, it was the cross of divorce. For some, it was the cross of abuse at the hands of another. You don't understand why your life has had to turn out the way that it has. Still others may be asking questions, why couldn't I have had good parents? Why, why did my dad have to leave us? Why did all of this have to happen to us? I would tell you this, in our questions, if we're not careful, we can very easily begin to turn to the throne of God with accusation. We too, like this man, begin to blame the man in the middle. We become hardened. We become bitter. Why? Why did they have to die? Why did you have to let that happen to me? Why wasn't I given a fair chance? I look at other people's lives and everything about it seems so good. But I look at my life and everything seems to have fallen apart like sand that just drifts through your fingertips. We began to look at Jesus and we too, like the man on the cross, ask why. All of us have a cross to bear. Friend, I want to tell you, you cannot allow that to begin to harden your heart I would tell you this on the worst of my days I can still stand and sing of the goodness of God on days when tears stream down my face because of the hurt and the disappointments and the grief of this life you and I can still stand together and sing of the goodness of God. I don't know what maybe you've went through. Don't allow things here 
to harden your heart towards the man there. Don't allow the things that have happened here to harden your heart towards the man on the middle cross. I will tell you, in this world you'll have trouble and you'll have tribulations, but the best news of it all is the man in the middle has come to save you and to give you eternal life. Don't turn on the man in the middle. The cross on the other side we find is a cross of repentance. See, the man on the other side was also a thief. He was also a criminal. Both of these men are dying for the very same reason. Both are guilty as they've been charged. He's bearing the same cross as the man on the other side was bearing. The last words that are recorded that Jesus heard were the words of this broken and this repentant thief as he spoke in kindness to the man in the middle. For every person that says, I have a right to be bitter. I have a right to be angry. I have a right not to forgive. There is someone who has gone through the very same things. And yet, instead of bitterness, they have a broken heart. Instead of hatred and anger, they are humbled. I want to tell you today that you can come to a place where you recognize that God is sovereign and that God can take what Satan meant to wound you with and can turn it around to a cross of repentance and not rebellion. As this thief watched Jesus Christ, a good man, a man who had committed no sin, he watched as he was crucified. He watched as this mysterious man, this Nazarene, had blood flowing from his hands and his feet. He he saw the crown of thorns that had been embedded in the brow of Jesus Christ. He kept waiting, wondering what Christ's response might be. Would he hear Jesus too on that day swear? He kept waiting to see, would Jesus get angry? But the Bible says, he opened not his mouth. He watched as they dropped the cross of Christ into the ground with a thud. And he watched as the body of Jesus Christ responded to the enormous pain. Finally, when the thief heard Jesus open his mouth... He heard him pray this prayer, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. You see, it was in that moment that the criminal's heart was cut. He was moved. He was convicted. He realized there's something different about this man. And I will tell you that those who are on the cross of repentance will look different and will respond different than those on the cross of rebellion. 
Thief's whole life began to flash before him. Maybe as a kid, somebody had taught him about the laws of Israel. Maybe he had known about the blood of the Passover lamb and the principle of redemption. Someone, maybe somewhere, had planted a seed in his life. And it begins to dawn on him that the man in the middle is not normal. This is not just flesh and blood. This is the Son of God. He is the Passover Lamb. The thief opened his mouth that day and he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. I'm guilty of the charges set against me. You and I too We're guilty of the charges leveled against us. He said, you are justified to condemn me. But instead of condemnation, the man in the middle turned to the thief and said, today, today, you'll be with me in paradise. I would tell you it doesn't take a lifetime of righteousness to save you. There is nothing you and I can do by being a good person that will save you. But in a moment of time, I would tell you in a split second, that very same day, Jesus says, I will save you. If we confess our sin to Him, He will forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God will never turn away the heart of the humble. God will never turn a deaf ear to someone who says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. The thief was saying, I have wasted my whole life. And now, I'm dying on this cross. I've blown it. I've blown it. He had ruined relationships with people. He had embarrassed his family. His life had become a mockery. We don't know the depths and we don't know all of the stories of this man's life. And I would tell you that everybody has a story. We all have a past. We all have decisions we've made we wish we had not made. I've wasted my whole life. I remember many years ago, some of you will remember a man many years ago in this church, his name was Lowell. Lowell Heine. I remember sitting in Lowell's house one day and Lowell began, tears began to stream down his face and Lowell said, I can't believe I waited till I was 70 years old to give my life to Christ. He said, all the years I've wasted. The thief had given his life to sin and to crime But he uttered the words, Jesus, remember me. Can you imagine for a moment the celebration that occurred 
when Jesus, after uttering the words, it is finished, walked through the gates of heaven, not by himself, but he walked through with an old thief. (laughs) Today you'll be with me in paradise. Friend, it's never too late to give your life to Jesus Christ. Never too late. While there's breath in your body, it's never too late. You say, I don't have time to undo everything I tell you in a split second. He is able to undo a lifetime of wrong choices. He doesn't need a lot of time. He is the Savior. He is the miracle worker. He is the one who can transform you into a new being. He doesn't need a lifetime. All he needs is the words, Lord, remember me. Remember me. We've seen the cross of rebellion. We've seen a cross of repentance, but... But yet we still have to look at the cross in the middle, the cross of redemption. What was the name of the man in the middle? The man in the middle was scorned. In fact, the people of the day said, is there anything good that can come out of a place called Nazareth? The man in the middle was Jesus. Jesus Christ, the hope of redemption. The Bible tells us that Jesus came to seek and to save those that were lost. He healed people. He performed miracles. But I would tell you the number one reason that he came was to redeem us from the curse of sin. Only the cross can redeem you. The cross of redemption can take any cross you have experienced in your life and turn it to something good when put in the hands of God. There's a true story about a woman who was a Muslim born and raised in Pakistan. When she was a little girl, she was crippled. Her parents, though, were very wealthy people. And, you know, they had everything that man could offer. Nice homes and cars, lots of money. But the money couldn't help. The doctors could not help her in her situation. She grew up in the Muslim faith. She was taught to pray to Muhammad. And so this little girl would pray to Muhammad to heal her, but nothing happened. One day her father decided to take her to Mecca, the holiest city in the Muslim faith. In Mecca there is a rock that was supposedly the place where Muhammad went up to heaven from. And so because of that, people will wait in line by the millions to touch and to kiss this rock because legend says that many have been healed when they place their hands on the rock. So as a family, they went. They waited in line after line. This time of her life, this girl was 12 years of age, and her father and her brothers took different times carrying her to get up to the rock. When she finally got to the rock, of course, her heart was filled with excitement. She believed she would be healed. She knelt down and kissed the rock. 
but nothing happened. They left that place. She went home even more heartbroken, even more disappointed. The story goes that two years later, at the age of 14, she was reading the Koran. You may not know that the Koran mentioned Jesus, but only as a prophet and a healer, only two things. This girl read the book and for the first time she hears the name Jesus and she reads that he is a prophet and a healer and she said, I've read the Koran all these times and I've never heard that Muhammad was a healer. But the Koran says that Jesus is a healer. So she began to pray that Jesus would heal her body. One night, during the late hours of the evening, she woke up in a room, and when she woke up, she was surrounded by 13 men, six on one side, six on the other, and one man standing at the foot of the bed. She said, I didn't know the man on the right or the left, but I knew the man in the middle. It was Jesus, the healer. She said Jesus spoke to her and told her to take her legs and put them over the side of the bed for I, the Lord Jesus, have healed you. She did exactly what Jesus said and when her legs went over the edge of the bed, instantly she was healed and began to walk for the first time at the age of 14. Her nurse came running into the room and she told her, Jesus the healer has healed me. That night, Jesus and his 12 disciples stood around her bed. This woman is now an evangelist. Travels the world telling others that Jesus is the healer. The man in the middle is the only one, my friend, that can really heal your life. The man in the middle is the only one that can really turn your life around. The Bible says in Acts 4 and 12, salvation is found in no one else. Settle that in your heart. No matter what the world may say today, no matter what is considered correct in our world today, salvation is found in no one else. There are not many ways to God. There is one way, and His name is Jesus. There are not many gates. There's one gate you have to go through to get to God the Father. His name is Jesus Christ, and He bled and He died on the cross in the middle that you and I might be redeemed. His name is Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. What is it that separates Christianity from every other religion in the world? It's Jesus. The world doesn't care if you have religion. They just don't want you to have Jesus. 
Don't be afraid to speak the name Jesus. Don't be afraid to tell others about Jesus. Don't just tell them that he was a good man and that he wants good things for your life. Tell them that Jesus is the Savior. It was prophesied of him before he was born that he would save his people from their sins. It wasn't that Joseph just got the idea, we'll give him Jesus, we'll give the name Jesus. It was foreordained by God because Jesus means the one who saves. He is the Messiah, the one that came to change everything. I tell you, the most important thing you can know in the world today is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. It's another story in the Bible found in the book of John. It's the story of a woman caught. Caught. You ever been caught in sin? Caught? I remember as a kid one day, my mother caught me in a lie. Caught. Remember the embarrassment when you got caught? Remember the shame when you got caught? The Bible says this woman was caught in the act of adultery. She was caught red-handed in her lifestyle. She was a broken woman, the Bible says, though Jesus did not condemn her. He forgave her. You know why he forgave her? Because he's the only one who could. You know why he forgave you? He's the only one that could. Because you can't do it yourself. Nobody can do it for you. Only Jesus can forgive you. So why did God plan to have two thieves crucified with Jesus? I believe it was to give you and I the simplest picture of salvation that he could. God was saying to the whole world, there are two options, rebellion or repentance. Everyone in this room and everyone watching online, you're either the man on the left or you are the man on the right. In the end of time, it will be the same way. Jesus said in Matthew 25, 31 through 34, when the Son of Man comes in His glory and all of His angels with Him, He will sit on His glorious throne. All of the nations will be gathered before Him. Hear those words right there. All the nations. Whether they're close to the gospel, whether they've accepted Him, whether they've whether they've praised him, all nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats to the left. Then the king will say to those on the right, come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. And he will say to those on the left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. 
I ask you today, will you be on the left? Or will you be on the right? Another story that I saw recently was about a man in Ohio who had been sentenced to death. While there in prison on death row, he wrote many letters to the governor of the state of Ohio, and he was pleading for a pardon. In his letter, he would declare to the governor, I am a changed man. I I am different. And letter after letter, month after month, he wrote letter after letter describing the change that had occurred in his life. So one day, the governor decided to do something about it. The governor went into the prison, but not as the governor. He went in dressed as an ordinary man. The guards took him down to death row, and he sat face to face with the man who had written so many letters. Because there was something in the letters that seemed to touch the the governor's heart, and the governor was considering pardoning this man for his crimes. But when the governor sat there before this man, the man was vile. The man was rude. The man showed absolutely no respect whatsoever. The man swore and used profanity. and It was obvious to the governor that a change had not transpired in this man's heart. That day, the governor stood up and walked out of the jail cell. And as he was leaving, one of the other prisoners recognized him and said to the man on death row, that's the governor of the state of Ohio. That's the one you were seeking the pardon from. Did he pardon you for your crimes? The man began to cry out, oh no. You mean he was here all the time? Right in front of me and I never asked him to pardon me? In the very near future, that man went to the electric chair and died when he could have gone free. There are people in this room, there are people who are online, you are just like the thief on the cross. Salvation is just a few feet away from you. The power to pardon you is very close. The one who could take away all of the past and begin to make some sense out of your future, he can pardon you today. All you have to do is ask him. Would you bow your heads? Father God, we look to you today in this moment. Lord, as we're gathered in this room and there are many who are watching us in living rooms and in cars, break rooms. All of us fall into the two categories of the man on the left or the man on the right. 
My prayer today is for those who have not yet not yet received your pardon. My prayer today is for those who have not yet received you as their Lord and their Savior. They've not yet received the free gift of forgiveness and eternal life. Father, today I pray for every person in this room and every person listening online that has not yet made you the Lord of their lives, I pray that today would be the day. For those who would say, you don't know what I've done, you don't know how terrible of a person I've been, I would tell you that today you don't know how his ability is powerful to forgive you and to transform your life. Salvation is not found in what you can do. Salvation is found in what he's already done. So Father, today I pray for these. And I pray as we prepare to go next weekend into Easter, pray that they'll go into Easter different this year a change and a transformation as they are pardoned by the man in the middle so Lord speak to every heart I pray Holy Spirit may today be the day they respond to your touch pray in Jesus name friends would you just keep your heads bowed in an attitude of prayer today if you've not yet received Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord I want to give you the opportunity today to do that those of you who are watching online today right where you're at friend it doesn't matter if you're in the living room or in the car or in the break room No matter where you're at today, Jesus is right there with you and you can receive salvation in Jesus Christ. Your life can be turned around today. In this room, as heads are bowed, I wonder if there are those in this room that you would say, Pastor, today I need Jesus. You would say, I need to receive the pardon that comes from Jesus, the Messiah. You say, today I want to make him the Lord of my life. If that's you, with heads bowed, no one's looking, would you just lift up a hand and say, remember me in prayer today, Pastor. Remember me in prayer. Yes. You can put your hand down. Yes. Yes. Across the room while we wait you'd say I need his forgiveness today I want to welcome him into my life you'll join these that have raised their hand you'll say pray for me today yes the good news for you and for me is that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved today as you're watching online my friend right there where you're at today 
I want to lead us in a prayer for those that are here and those that are watching online. Friend, that's not a hard thing to do. We just have to receive. So today, would you pray this prayer across the house? And if you lifted your hand here or at home, would you pray this prayer today from your heart? Let's pray together in this house. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you died for my sin. I ask you today, forgive me of all my sin. I choose today to turn from my sin and receive you as my Lord and Savior. I believe that you died for me so that I might live. I receive you now into my life and I ask you to be my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Today is a day of miracles. My friend, if you prayed that prayer with your heart, whether you were in here or you were somewhere else today, I believe he heard you and he responds. For anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I mentioned to you earlier that we would uh, do faith promises. You have a card that's there. Some of you, if you're sitting on the front, it's, they've left them on the seats. The rest of them, they're in a card pocket. You say, why, 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 Pastor, after the service, why, why would you take time then to talk about people giving to missions? Because this, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And the scripture says, how can they call on one and when they've not heard? How can they hear without someone telling them the good news? Actually, these faith promise cards are not about uh, you turning them in and, and us making a list. And uh, I can tell you this. When you fill out your faith promise today, you'll never hear another word from us. You're not going to get a letter that says, hey, you're a month behind. It's not what it's about. We want to do the very best that we can to get the gospel out. And we believe as leadership here at the church that every, every dollar that comes in for missions goes to missions. None of it stays here. That's not what it's about. And so what faith promises do, they let us know how many more missionaries that we can take on. Because I'll be honest with you, as long as I serve as pastor here, we're always going to be looking for more missionaries and more ways to minister around the world. And so I'll just be honest with you. If you keep giving, we're going to keep taking on new missionaries. If you keep giving to missions, we're going to give so that people around the world can have the same opportunity that you and I have had to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. The scripture tells us 
The gospel will be preached around the world and then the end will come. Before the end comes, we want to do all we can. The faith promise is just this. It says as a faith promise, it's an agreement. Here's the important words between you and God. It's between you and God. I will tell you this. God doesn't ever expect you and I to give what we don't have. Just give what we have. The story in the Bible, they had 5,000 men and women to feed. And Jesus asked the simple question, what do you have? Five loaves, two fish. Not nearly enough to feed 5,000 men and women, but I will tell you this, when they gave what little they had, God multiplied it and caused it to work. I will tell you, He's the God of multiplication. And so for you, your faith promise may be like the five loaves and the two fish. It's okay. It's okay. For some of you, this will be your renewing your faith promise. And I would tell you, God has done incredible things in our missions giving over the last several years. It's come through the faithfulness of God's people. As you've given what you had, God has multiplied it and caused it to work for the kingdom. So for some of you, it'll just be a renewal. And I want to encourage you in something. Maybe maybe you've been doing the same thing for a long time. I want to encourage you maybe, you know what? I can be as bold as I want today because this all doesn't stay here. This is not for Lighthouse. It's going out. Maybe it's time to, to do some more. Maybe some more for you is $5 more a month. I don't know. But I've asked you to pray this week that you'll just respond to give what the Lord would have you to give. For some of you, you may be coming on to missions for the very first time. I want to welcome you to come and join us as we give. Whatever level you want to give at, that's between you and God. And so I'd like to ask you, I want to pray and I want to ask you to fill out the card. And what I'm going to ask you to do is uh, there's a table. Jim, if you'll be by the table, by the back doors, there's a table by the back doors. And I just ask today that as you fill out your card, the large part you'll fill out and that will be the part you'll turn in. The small part will be the one you keep as a reminder. And when you leave, if you'll take them and turn them upside down and lay them on the table, I want to make it as easy as I can for you as you go out. Just fill that card out. And like I said, all we're going to do is we're going to go through the cards and we're going to say, okay, we think we can take another missionary on this year. Or maybe one of the missionaries that need to be increased or maybe there's a project they've got we can give because the commitments have been made. So I want to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, I stand here today because you have always blessed and you've always seen me through. Lord, I remember hearing the words of my pastor as a child saying you can't outgive God. And Lord, I will have to say I've never experienced outgiving you because you always give back way more than I've ever given. So Father, today I pray you'll speak to our hearts as a church because the message going around the world 
We may be here in Grant County, but we can send others around the world today. I pray, Father, that you'll speak to our hearts. Lead us, guide us, and direct us for what you'd have us to give. And Lord, we'll set forth this year to do that. And to give so that more people could hear about the man on the cross in the middle that could change their lives. I ask it all in your name, Father. Amen and amen. So this morning, if you haven't already filled that card out, if you'll do so, and then like I said, as you, as you leave today, if you'll just turn it upside down, lay it on the table, Jim will be there by the table, and he'll watch things for us. And I encourage you just to join. Join together in the work of the gospel. I want to pray a blessing over you, Father, in the name of Jesus. I pray the blessing of the gospel will be abundant on every life in this room. I pray that we'll walk in the blessing of the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, that you will cause the light that's in us to shine so that others may see you through us. I pray you'll bless them and keep them this week. Cause your face to shine upon them. Lord, as they rise up and they sit down, May the blessing of the Lord be with them. And Lord, as we sang earlier, may the goodness of God always come running after them. I pray it all in the name of Jesus to you be the glory and honor forever and ever. Amen and amen. God bless you all. May the joy of the Lord always be your strength. God bless.